Well, good morning. So uh, we are here in our third week in this series, Signs of Greatness. Signs of Greatness. We're talking about, well, the greatness of our God. And, and you know what? John, when he wrote the Gospel of John, as he was writing things down, he told us in John chapter 20 why he wrote it. He said, I, I captured these things, these signs I've written, that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The, the challenge for us is to be able to look into his word, especially the Gospel of John, where he has specifically recorded the things that were being done, that we might have either movement from unbelief to belief, like I'm not sure who this Jesus is. I don't even know how we should respond to him. Move from that position to, oh my word, that's who he is? Like I'm responding in trust with you, Lord. Or maybe I've got some level of belief and understanding, but Lord, move me further in my understanding, my belief. Help me trust in you with all I've got. Signs of greatness. That's what we're walking through. And we're doing seven miracles in the Gospel of John in seven weeks, okay? We're on the second miracle this week. So uh, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 4, verse 46. And uh, we got the ushers coming forward. They're going to have Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand, they'll get a Bible to you. John chapter 4, verse 46. This is the second sign that John records. This isn't the second miracle that occurs, but this is the second one that John records, all right? And uh, so let's just remember, we're here to grasp this. Lord, what do I need to hear that I might believe? And that I might have a belief that is so strong in you that I'm leaning on you with my whole weight. That's what we're going for here, okay? Now remember, as we walk into this, um, these are stories. These are going to be telling us uh, stories of life and an example of history. And so we're going to break this down into two pieces, okay? There's going to be a first half, which is the story. Okay, and so let's walk through and let's learn from what's going on there and what do we see happening and what do we see people saying and feeling and doing and and then the second half of it is, but remember this also, these are signs of Jesus Christ and his greatness. Remember this also, we're to be looking at this and saying, Lord, teach me of who you are that I might believe all the more. Okay, so the story and then the sign, that's how we're breaking it down. All right, so the story, get the details, here we go. Sophisticated outline, right? We talked about this. 1A, approach. Go to Jesus Christ with your struggles and fears. He can heal. Go to Jesus Christ with your struggles and fears. He can heal. All right, here we go. Starting in verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. We have a setup here of what's going on. It starts with the word, so... Okay, it's a connecting word. It just says, remember, there was some stuff going on before it. Right after that, here's what happened. All right. Well, what was going on before that? Jesus was in Samaria. All right. And Samaria, for those of you who don't know, this is a place where people lived who were kind of a mix of Jewish and Gentile in their bloodline. Okay. They were actually called half breeds. It was kind of a um, derogatory comment to state you didn't have the pure blood of a Jew in you you mixed when you weren't supposed to okay and the Samaritans uh, living over there were people that weren't supposed to be approached by the Jews and Jesus Christ took a trip 
And he went into Samaria to hang with those people. In fact, this is where we see the woman at the well, John chapter 4. And he's talking to her and he kind of outs what's going on in her life and gets very clear about some sin issues and some needs in her life. And she drops in awe as she sees what he knows and, and how he speaks with her. And, and she ends up running back to the town saying, I've met the Messiah. And it actually says right before this passage that many Jew, many Samaritans, Jewish Gentile combo, came to trust in Christ right then and there because of the words of this woman and the impact of Christ traveling among them connecting word so he then came again to cana in galilee so after he's rocked that world now he's coming back to cana and remember cana is the place where the water was turned to wine in fact they record that right here for us it says that he came again to cana in galilee where he had made the water wine that was the first sign that was last week's sign and we looked at that a little bit it speaks to god's transforming power The fact that he has the ability to take what is and make it better. He took this water, which quite frankly wasn't even necessarily the greatest drinking water, and and yet converted it into some of the best wine there was. Brought great honor upon the groom and, and the whole wedding. And Jesus Christ's first sign, it was somewhat subdued and subtle. Only the servants and a few other people, Mary, only a few knew what he actually did. But those that knew, it says the disciples believed. All right? So that was the first sign. It just happened in Cana. Jesus is now back in Cana after drawing a few more believers out in Samaria. It says, at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. Capernaum. So this is a city about 20 to 25 miles away. All right? And this is in an era where you typically traveled by foot. So 20 to 25 miles, you're doing a 15, 16-minute mile Holy cow, that's a long day. You know what I'm saying? So like eight, ten hours of walking, whatever it took to be able to go from Capernaum to Cana, and it's uphill, okay? And so he's going from Capernaum to Cana, this official, because he's got some issue. It says that his son was ill. Now, just so we understand, an official is somebody who would be connected with the Roman government, uh, quite possibly Gentile, probably Gentile. Not necessarily known. In fact, it tells us a little bit later that he was looking for signs. And so it could be that he had some Jewish background but was connected into this Roman government. He had some authority. He had some power. That we know. Okay? He was ruling in this area in Capernaum, and he had a need. When you're an official, and you have power and authority, and you have a need, you don't take care of it yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's where you look at your servants and you're like... Hey, I need you to go do something for me. That eight to ten hour walk where I'm going to be sweating and getting filthy and forget that. You go do that. I need you to get something done for me. But in this case, it says that he went. Notice it says, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him, to Jesus, and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. You see, the reason he engaged in doing this job himself is because it was too important. Bottom line is his son's life was at stake. And as his son's life was at stake, he wasn't about to entrust that to some servant. He's like, I got this one. I'm going. And he wasn't probably walking the 15-minute mile. It's more like, you know, I'm I'm doing the 10-minute mile, and I might even do a little jog here and there. And I don't care that I'm going uphill, and I don't care that I'm sweating. My son's life is at stake. 
He's going from Capernaum to Cana with a serious task at hand. The interesting part is he heard that Jesus was there. And so he thought he'd go. Is the word of Jesus ripping through the community? Uh, What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, the bottom line is this official who's somehow connected to the Roman government is like, seriously? That dude Jesus? Like, I've heard about some things that guy's doing and saying. Are you serious? He's only 20 miles away? I'm out of here. I'll catch you in a day or two. And he's off to the races, right? Jesus' word, Jesus' reputation is preceding him. And this official from Capernaum is on his way to meet him. It says, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he had a special favor. He asked him to come down and heal his son. Notice it says come down, right? That's the, so he was walking up to get to Cana, the down geographically coming out of the heights of Cana. Come down, please, and heal my son. The request is very specific. I've got a problem and I, and I need you to do something about it. Where's his faith? Well, he at least has enough faith to go, look, I don't know what's going on, but somehow you are connected to the power of the Almighty God. And I know this, when you speak and when you touch, people are being healed. And so I need you close to my son. Now, his faith, his belief is basically saying your power is dependent upon proximity. Are you hearing it? Like, I know you can do something, but I need you over there. Like, I need you 25 miles closer or something isn't going to happen. I need you to take care of this. And so his request is, Jesus, please stop whatever you're doing. I don't know why you're here. I don't even care. Please get over there. Well, that's a lot of gall, isn't it? Well, actually, he's, again, an official from Capernaum who has some swag. You know what I'm saying? He can make some things happen. And he walks in and he's like, so just so we're clear, you know who I am, right? Yeah, okay. I have a need and I need you over there. Can we please move that direction now? He was respectful and yet he was also very forceful. He was definitely letting him know what his need was. How bad was it? Well, it says that his son was at the point of death. I mean, we live in an era where when we get sick, we get a little sniffle or something. We're like, oh, time for an antibiotic. You know what I mean? Like we jump for these medicines fast, right? They don't have any of that in this time period. They're wrestling through sicknesses. He could tell that his son was getting worse and worse and worse. And this is getting dire. We're not sure what he had, but we do know this. It was some form of illness or sickness. And we know that it was very close to death. The point of death. Jesus has a response as the official has approached him. The response. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, okay, first of all, Jesus isn't really addressing the question. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I have a question for you. I need you to come 25 miles this way. Please come right now. You need signs and miracles. What? 
Dude, whatever. Sick kid, please. Jesus is looking at the heart of this man and speaking to his belief and speaking to his eternity. And this man is speaking to the temporal and to his son. They're like ships passing in the night. You know what I'm saying? And in the middle of this conversation, and it's a little bit firm. I mean, let's be real. John records the one that I have no idea if Jesus said any other sentences around this or if Jesus delivered just these words. But what he delivered that John recorded was, unless you see signs and miracles, you won't believe. Like your heart's sort of trusting and sort of not. That's where you are. The man, does he get it? The official said to him, oh, Well, then never mind with the signs and miracles. I just trust. Is that what he says? Look what he says. Sir, I'm ignoring everything you're talking about right now. Come down before my child dies. Are you hearing it? Look, I've walked 10 hours. Are you kidding me? I'm here for one purpose. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Here's what I'm talking about. You Capernaum, my kid healed. That's what I'm talking about. I need you there. And you can imagine there's some forcefulness to it. And then there's also some pleading in it, right? My, this is my, my son. And, and please, can, will you please come down with me? Please to Capernaum. Are you hearing it? There's a, a need that he's bringing to Jesus Christ. Is he perfect in his understanding and belief? No. But does he grasp who Jesus Christ is and some of the authority that he has? Does he approach him as the solution to his problem? Yes. And so this man is approaching God Almighty for a fix. It's an amazing moment where we see respect. We see honor. We see trust, but only so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm giving you a little bit here. I know you've got something that I need, but I'm a little bit afraid to let go and not control it. And so I'm going to drag you where I need you to go. How often is that us when we approach God Almighty? How often do we approach with, well, Lord, I I know what you can do. I mean, speak, world exists. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I have a real problem here, right? How often do we somehow elevate the moment of our problem way bigger than what we're actually going through? And Jesus Christ is seen as maybe a lot smaller. You know, there was a guy, um, Bobby Robertson, second baseman, Yankees. And uh, this guy had an interesting prayer, okay? He stepped up. He was doing some speaking in numerous places. He distilled it down to praying this over and over. Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. That's how he opened the places he was speaking at. Very short and to the point. Very humble and completely trusting. Man, is that a way to approach the almighty God? Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. I'm trusting you with everything I have. Lord, your will be done. Man, that's approach to the almighty throne of God.
You know, we talked about this a couple weeks back when we were talking about prayer, but um, I'm just going to repeat it. So three things to remember when you approach in prayer. Three things to remember when you approach in prayer. Uh, number one, God's love wants the best. God's love wants the best. God's wisdom knows the best. It's not like he's just out there going, boy, I really wish I could give you the best. If I only knew what it was. No, he's got the wisdom. He's like, I know what it is, too. Not only do I want the best, I know what's best. God's love wants the best. God's wisdom knows the best. God's power can deliver the best. Come to the Almighty. All right? His love, his wisdom, his power. Three things to keep in mind as you approach the throne room of the Almighty. As we begin to trust him with everything, like saying, dear God, no more, no less. Just your will. That's all I want. And that's some serious laying it down. No control on my part. I'm leaning on you. So here's the question I got for you. What's the struggle in your life that's distracting you? I mean, it may be the same one that's been there for several weeks or months. It may be that it's brand new this week. It's just rocking your world. What is it that's got you stirred? What is it that's got you distracted? What is it that's got you concerned where maybe you wake up a little bit early or you can't fall asleep quite as fast or, or when you get a little bit of downtime, you're near sitting there. All of a sudden your head starts spinning on that and you get a little bit more uneasy. And what is it that's that in your life? Make sure you got it. Now the next question. Are you ready to approach the one who has the answer? I mean, come to him and say, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Your will be done, Lord. Amen. Approach him with your problems and struggles. Hey, this guy is approaching with a little bit less than quality, but he's approaching. God takes us where we're at, okay? Don't try to get it all cleaned up and then come rushing in. Come rushing to his feet and just remember love, wisdom, and power. That's who you're approaching. The God who is love. The God who is wisdom. The God who has all power. Come to him. Trust in him. Lean on him. Approach him with all you've got. There's nothing that'll strengthen your belief more than living life with him, all right? So approach, go to Jesus Christ with your struggles. That's the first part. Second part, 1B. Not only approach him, but now trust him. Take God at his word and thankfully celebrate his work in your life. Take God at his word and thankfully celebrate his work in your life. When God speaks, know that he doesn't speak to waste words. Trust him, all right? So remember, Jesus had said, we'll just backtrack it here to verse 49. Jesus said, uh, or 48, unless you see signs and miracles, you will not believe. The man responds, sir, come down before my child dies. I mean, you've got to hear the urgency in this. The man is looking at him. He's trying to catch his eye. I got to believe he's not standing there casually, you know, kind of like a hand in pocket thing and just sort of chit chatting and eh, just sort of looking around. No, he's like eyes fixed straight at him. And he's trying to catch his attention. And one foot's like already ready to book. You know what I'm saying? Like, sir, 
Capernaum, please, my child, he, he, he's about to die, please. As he's looking him eye to eye, locking in, fixed on that, Jesus responds. Go, your son will live. Go, your son will live. All right. Locked in, fixed. Come on, we're about ready to... And he says, you go. Your son will live. I've walked 10 hours to get this guy. And now I'm going to leave him? Go? And, and your son will live. Can you imagine the depth of perception he used as he stared into Jesus' eyes saying, are you for real? Like, what? I mean, I can only imagine his head cranking sideways, right? Mm-hmm. He'll live? He, he'll live? And you can imagine Jesus' face. I don't know. This is me writing it in, okay? The book of Tim. But I can only imagine Jesus' response had to be something very comforting with this ease of smile and a look that said, oh, yeah, baby, he'll live. That guy looking at him was in the moment of choice and his decision was as follows. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And went on his way. Uh, Are you for real? Like just. All right then. Good enough. All right done. He's going to live. We're out of here. Pack up. Let's go. We're going home. We're going to see my son. Come on. And I got to imagine. The walk back was as fast as the walk there. Like, I'm going to meet my kid, and I'm going to see him getting better, and that's what this thing's all about. Let's get it home, man. And I don't know who was traveling with them, but I'm telling you, they had a hard time keeping up. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get home. I'm trusting him. Real belief begets action. Fact. If you believe, you will respond. Belief, and then went. Do you hear it? He believed And so he went, true trust in God Almighty. He separated himself by an 8 to 10 hour walk from the one who had the answer. I'm trusting that you literally can will this thing to happen. Jesus Christ said, I'm putting you through a faith stretcher. You think it's proximity that my power's all about? Stretch it a little bit. It's just the will and word that I have. Are you trusting me? And the man says, got it. Your will and it's done. I understand authority and leadership. I understand your power. I'm with you in this and I'm on my way. I'm trusting you. We're good. I'm out of here. And then he's off, right? That's what it looks like to have belief in the very word of God. Hey, we come in with God and we come in with our problem. We've talked about this. We're very good at also coming with the solution, right? Uh, Capernaum, now please, right? And we come in and we got the problem, we got the solution. And then God's like, yeah, that's not so much the solution. And you're like, what? (laughs) Why? 
that solution's a good one, right? And then we kind of hang out, we do a little bit of whining about it. Come on, seriously? And then, seriously, our faith at that moment is either going to grow or shrink. Is it more about me and my control? Or is it more about God and his word and his power to be trusted? Lord, I'm leaning on you. Your word says, so I believe. I'm trusting you. You're that big. Wow. Notice he says after it, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. As he's walking home, they're walking towards him. Like the fever, the the sickness had gone away. Whatever it was that he had was there, and now it's leaving. And they said, we got to get out there and tell him. Like he went out on this trip, and it's probably not even necessary. Like he's getting better now. And and so they're heading towards him, and he's heading towards them. And as they come across each other, they're like, hey, hey, just so you know, like he's recovering. And the guy's like, I know. They're like, what do you mean you know? I'm telling you, I understand. And. One thing we didn't cover is I think the first words that the guy said on his way out when it's not recorded here. So this is again the book of Tim. But I'm telling you when the guy said, all right, I trust you. The first thing he said is time is it. How do you know that, Tim? Check this out. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. They said yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. He marked the time. I'm telling you, it's the seventh hour. Mark it, because we're going to hear this. Seventh hour. Everybody got it? Forward ho. Let's go home. And they're getting back there, and they're meeting his son who is recovering. The power of the Almighty God changing a life. Some of the power over the physical He talks about this seventh hour, and that was such a big deal that he had a response. He himself, the man, believed, and all his household. Bam. Hey, let me tell you something. When God does miracles, he doesn't do them to put on a little show. He does them because he's working in eternity. He's working with hearts and souls, and he's looking to stir and bring people towards him. This man believed in him. This man trusted him. This man's name written in the Lamb's book of life. He's trusting in his almighty God and all his household. How did that happen? Because this is not how it went down. Oh, look, my son's healed. Don't tell anyone I saw Jesus. That's not how it went down. How did it go down? He's better? Are you kidding? You wouldn't believe. I saw the man. I walked 10 hours to see the man. I talked to him. He had one thing to say to me. Go. Your son will live. I'm telling you. Words of Jesus Christ. Boom. Son healed. That's what's going on here. People are like, I don't know. Seventh hour yesterday. Yes or no? Seventh hour. Yes or no? Yeah, that's when the fever left. That's when he was telling me. I'm just telling you. That's what went down. There was no way anybody was knocking him off of that testimony. My God, my Christ, his word yesterday changed today. That's what I have. And I'm not getting off of it. Welcome to my Christ. And the other said, I believe. I'm amazed. 
The power of testimony. Hey, look, when we're sharing what we believe in Jesus Christ, our job is not to change the heart of somebody else. You're not called to be the judge or the jury or the transformer. You're simply called to take the stand and testify. What's God doing in your life? And in what way is that impacting you? And and here's what I'm seeing as I look at his word. And this is what he's doing with me. And and you wouldn't believe what I've seen with. And and the end. And, And so let me introduce you to the God of the Bible and what he says. And you hand it over to scripture and you let God and his Holy Spirit work. That's the power of testimony. And all his household believed. Like it rocked their world. They saw this kid come through and they were amazed. He was on death's bed and all of a sudden he's not. It's one of those like he's sick with fever. You're putting wet rags on him. He feels achy. I mean, how many of us have had 103 degree fevers, right? And we feel miserable. You're having like delirious out of body experiences. You know what I mean? You're like seeing things that aren't there. And like for me, I've I've literally been watching the TV that isn't on. Weird stuff goes on at 103 and this kid's watching whatever happening and it's sort of delirious with the with the fever thing and all of a sudden he's like Hey, I feel kind of better Bang and he begins to recover One point just note that the phrase used by the servants was not he's healed The servant used the phrase Your son is recovering ing it's in process but it's getting better god's moving keep trusting it's getting better the spoken word of jesus christ here was a process towards healed okay and he believed he believed in the process he believed in the timing of the process and he trusted in god almighty he himself and all his household believed This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Jesus Christ sharing the awesomeness of knowing him. You know, it's tough when we struggle with um, sickness and with hurt. We actually have um, some sickness that's going on in this body right now in a lot of different ways. And actually one family specifically going through a ton. And uh, Brian and Deneen Mitchell, I don't know if many of you know them, but uh, they sit right up front over here all the time, and, and today they're not here. Deneen's in the hospital. And uh, a week ago Friday, we got a call, and uh, the nurses and the medical staff was saying, doesn't look good, like point of death. Like there's infection in the blood, and I don't know. I'm not sure. And, and there was a lot of praying that went on in the body, and we had prayer chain stuff go out, and we had uh, multiple pastoral staff, Kent and Larry and Heather and myself and people, Jana, and we, people getting over there and visiting and, and praying with and just being there and, and praying over and seeing what God would do. And, and by Sunday, there was some work that they had done to diagnose as we prayed for doctors uh, to just grasp the best of it. Uh, doctor went in and did surgery, pulled out gallbladder and some other infection stuff and and came out and said, it just doesn't explain how bad this is, though. So we don't know. I'm not sure if this is going to get it. And over the next minutes, hours and days, she just kept getting better. And And honestly, there was a point where the doctor sort of like, I don't know. I'm not sure I can even explain this. And 
and Brian's still Facebooking. If you want to catch up, catch up with Brian on Facebook there. He's letting us know, you know, Deneen's sleeping. I'm not. I'm bored, you know. But things are getting better. And things are recovering. There is some healing going on. And this was a scary moment of heavy infection. And hey, does God heal today? Answer? Man, we better believe it. Our God's involved in healing. Our God's involved in the physical. Our God is absolutely to be trusted with all that we have. So question. Have you seen God working in your life? And are you celebrating it? And maybe you're in a spot where you're like, I need him to be working in my life. Then be praying for that. And Lord, I'm looking for you to work. And I'm looking for you to stir in this. And I'm looking for you to answer in this. And where he has answered, remember him and share it. Remember, this man believed. And all his household. The power of trusting in God Almighty and being real about it. All right? It's an amazing opportunity for us to approach him and to trust him. That's the story, okay? Now, let's just go one more piece, though. The sign. Get the big picture here. The sign, all right? We got to make sure we grasp what's really going on with this storyline. It's more than just a story about some physical healing. And so, hey, I guess all of us can be healed now. Question, um, where's that boy right now? Have any of you met him? The one who was healed in the story? Have you met him? You can talk out loud. Have you met him? No. Where is he? Well, he's not alive, right? And, and so he did still pass away. And, and so Christ is not trying to dominate over the physical for all of eternity. That's not the message sent here. In fact, it's a very different message. I will touch the physical in the moment, but my job is the heart. When this man came about the son's life, Christ's question was about the man's heart and belief. May we understand that Christ, his whole focus is on eternity, not on the earthly. His perspective is on that. All right? So let's grasp it a little bit. We'll just dive in. Extent of his power. Getting the big picture. The extent of his power. First of all, he is Jehovah Rapha. That name in the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew form, and it means I am heals. Our God has healing power. Absolutely. He spoke creation into existence. I think he can speak it back to health. You know what I'm saying? My God heals. Jehovah Rapha. No disease is too bad. No sickness is too far gone. In life and death, his power rules. Amen? That's our God. Jehovah Rapha. All he needs to do is will it, and it's done. That's our God, the extent of his power. But let's make sure we grasp it in light of the purpose of his ministry. Okay, second part of this, the purpose of his ministry. This is speaking not just to a physical healing. It's speaking to way more. Yeah, his ministry takes what is bad and he makes it better. Right? He takes what's bad and he makes it better. He is all about healing, but not necessarily just limited to the physical. In fact, always in the spiritual, sometimes in the physical. Always in the spiritual, sometimes in the physical. Go ahead and say it with me. Always in the spiritual, sometimes in the physical. That's where God is. Not because of a limit of power, but because of his perspective and his focus and where he's headed. All right? 
always in the spiritual, sometimes in the physical. His ministry is about authority over sickness, a sickness that affects the heart, an eternal sickness, the devastation of sin. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Hey, that's what we're talking about. The healing ministry of our God Almighty. Healing us with his will. Through his love, through the provision of his shed blood on the cross, through his life in resurrection, through his reigning now as king eternal, through our God Almighty returning with all authority to absolutely right everything once and for all, our God reigns and he heals. Amen? That's who we're talking about. A God who has power over everything. That's who I'm talking to and nothing short of it. Like I am not afraid at any moment in any time to bring things to the one who has everything in his hands and can do anything at any time. My God is healing sickness of sin. And all we need to do is say, Lord, please forgive me. I'm done with running my own way. You are my Lord. I believe that you have been raised from the dead. You are alive right now and you have almighty power. Please forgive me with your shed blood. That's salvation. And as we trust in him, the sickness of sin is removed. Yeah, well, this is great, Tim. But, uh, well, I've been praying over some prayers, physical prayers, prayers about family, prayers about relationship, and, and there hasn't been a healing there, all right? I've experienced devastation, Tim. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I, first of all, I can say I feel your pain. I, I know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, our family has experienced a similar pain. Uh, my sister Stephanie passed away when she was 20. I was 23 years old. Uh, she was at Moody Bible Institute. She was on fire for Jesus Christ. She was uh, loving him, sharing. All right, speaking as a brother, she was a little bit of a ding-dong too. But, but that's my sister. She was a blast and she was a fun to be with and she had a power testimony and she ended up having an aneurysm and passing away at age 20. How do you process that, Tim? Well, let me just tell you this. It was 24 years ago today that she passed away. 24 years ago today. And uh, so how do I process it? Well, let's just put it in perspective. First of all, it's always about the spiritual, and it's sometimes about the physical. And when God chooses not to make it about the physical, then he's doing something in the spiritual that we better wake up to. Like, God, what are you trying to do, and where are you trying to work, and may I see your hand moving in it, and I'm so ready to trust you in it, Lord, and I don't know what it is, and and it hurts to look at it, and my eyes filled with tears, and I'm seeing things through a distorted view of those tears, and Lord, it's killing me. But I'm trusting you that you've got something eternal in mind with this. What is it? I'll just put it this way. You know, we talk about it's not about my comfort. It's about my king. Lord, may I lift up your kingship and your worship. Lord, may I lift up your celebration. I just wrote this phrase down this week, this sentence. You know, this ship called creation, it's on a collision course with the rocky ground of sin 
and destruction and death. But the king, the king is winning back one by one, heart by heart, soul by soul for all of eternity. That's what's going on. And as we live in this earthly world, hey man, this is nothing but a training ground. And we're here in the moment, and we might be experiencing the toughest of stuff, or it might be kind of easy right now. But God, my prayer for you is this, that you get the glory in the worship, that hearts are saved for you, that people come to trust you like never before. Lord, may there be belief. May there be on fire. Lord, may you be worshipped. Like, that's what we're talking about. That's the perspective we need to be in this game, okay? Hey, lots of people came to know Christ through my sister passing away. There were some serious commitments to Christ as they grasped what eternity meant. And I'm telling you, my sister's in heaven. She's like, hands raised, beaming it out, power worshiping. And she's like, whatever, you're going to be with me in a few days, man. Don't worry about it. Like she's celebrating God Almighty as her king. May we do that here and now. Yeah, I miss her. And we're going to be able to celebrate her. First Thessalonians 4, we're going to be able to be seeing our loved ones again that trust in Christ. Man, what an awesome, powerful promise. Hey, this physical, short term. Eternity, that's a long time. Let's get eternity right. Amen? That's a big deal. As we step out today, it's easy to say it, and then we're like, I'm kind of hungry. Where are we going for lunch? Right? Hey, the physical drives us, and that's okay, it's real. But we start talking about everything physical, and we start losing perspective. Fix your eyes on eternity, and watch God move, all right? Let me just put it to you this way. Uh, our family committed to uh, doing the insanity workouts. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so those of you who are laughing know what I'm talking about. So P90X and Insanity, it's this workout that's on TV. They sell it. They, yeah, so they sell it well. Big ripped dudes and all these people who have lost great weight. And you're like, I want to be that guy, right? So we got that. So my daughter Megan and I are doing it every day. Jana, she already is like Insanity times 10 on her workout. So she sometimes joins us on the lower workouts. You know what I mean? (laughs) But uh, so Insanity, we're doing these things. And uh, I'm telling you what, you get in your living room. It's in the comfort of your own living room. Right. And you turn on a DVD and it's like unbelievable cardio for 40 straight minutes as you go after it. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do. I mean, I got to tell you, after day one, I had tweaked my knee. So I'm icing my knee. My younger daughter had pulled her hamstring. My older daughter had the flu. She was throwing up. And Jana had kind of pulled some back muscles, which really scared me because she's working out all the time. You pulled something doing this? I don't know, man. So here we all lay on the couch. Insanity, man. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, we went after day two and on, Megan and I did, and it's been a really good experience. We're like on through our second week now. We're through day 14, and um, we've been uh, enjoying the workouts as we go along. I will tell you this. I've never sweated more in my own living room. Like, I thought it was for couches and TVs and relaxing, and, and I'm like dripping with sweat. You're wiping it off. You're dou- dousing more water, and every time he says, take a break, you're like, thank you, and you, you get the water, right? Insanity, man. It's definitely, it's worth, I mean, I've already lost an inch around the waist. Like, we're seeing things happen, body transformation, all that stuff. It's a blast as we just go after it, laughing together, high-fiving each other along the way. And why tell that dumb story? Uh, you know what? Life is actually supposed to be more like the insanity workout than the hangout on the couch and watch TV. 
Did you know that? Like we're literally supposed to be more about that than we are the comfort of the remote and the flipping and the just, hey, this doesn't make me, I'm going to go get a snack and right. But we live life more on the, God, you owe me. This isn't very easy and I'm not very comfortable. And, and, but it's supposed to be more of the insanity workout. I mean, if I walk in and I turn it on and he's like, okay, here we go. We're ready. We're going to do the football sprint. You're like, that's too hard. I'm going to just sit down right now. You know, I'm not really into that. You're really not going to see much change. You know what I mean? And, but that's where we are in life a lot. Like, I'm sorry, God, that's just too hard. Bring it down a notch, please. Bring it down a notch, please. Hey, this is the training ground for our heart to be shaped towards more belief. To be on fire for him with all we've got. Lord, use what you're bringing, whatever it is. I'm ready to see eternity impacted. That you might have more worshipers and deeper worshipers. All for your glory. That's why we're living. Amen? Yeah, a little bit of a quivering. Amen. Right? Like, amen? amen? Let's go after that. It's our job to get out here and say, Lord, whatever. Whatever, may you be glorified. I'm ready to go through whatever. I know that you're trusted. I know that you have all the power and all the wisdom. You'll never try me beyond what I can handle. I'm absolutely ready to run with you. Let's see you work. You're the healing God. You're the transforming God. Take sin and eradicate. I'm talking done. May you be glorified. I want to see me different because I've met the almighty king. Amen. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We serve an amazing God. And man, if we get it right, perspective, it all starts making sense. If we get it right, perspective, it all starts making sense. He is king. He is king. Lord, change my heart and shape my soul. May you be worshipped for eternity. He is king. Just say that phrase with me. He is king. We're worshipping him with all we've got. Say it again. He is king. That's what we're going after. Our healing God at work in this place. Let's not hold him down to some one physical moment. But all of eternity is in his hands. And he's managing that. Perspective. Kingship. Let's worship him with all we've got. Let's pray.